Greetings, greenhouse people. I'm your Tech On Demand host, Bill Calkins. And if you're listening or watching in real time, your plans for 2024 are most likely being made. And if you're like a lot of growers, that means you're looking to add some tropical plants to the mix for next year. We've seen a lot of interest in Diplodenia recently, uh, along with other tropical plants. And, and there are a lot of reasons behind this that my guest will get into. And there's also new breeding and introductions that are helping to drive the category by really helping you as growers produce amazing crops to fit different sizes, profiles, and uses in the garden and in containers. But before I go off on a tangent, because I, I really like Mandeville and Diplodenia and have for years, I want to introduce my guest, someone I've known for many years in the industry and have really come to respect because of his no-nonsense style and willingness to help growers, which is why I invited him here today. And he really does help solve problems, real problems in the greenhouse with actionable information. And it is Dr. Jamie Gibson, and he's the technical lead at Syngenta Flowers here in North America. Jamie received his bachelor's in plant and soil science at West Virginia University, and then went on to graduate school at NC State. After that, he worked for uh, Conrad Fafford, the uh, soil company, growing media company, uh, for a few years as R&D director and manager of quality control, and then moved on to Syngenta Flowers and his current position is technical lead for Syngenta Flowers. And he works with broker and grower communities on flower, tri flower trials, crop culture, and really everything related to their range of plants. Jamie's going to take a deep dive into Diplodenia, as I mentioned, and he's going to look at production from various inputs in this Tech on Demand video and podcast episode. And the real goal is to help you produce your best crops ever. Be sure to subscribe to the Tech on Demand podcast on your favorite podcast app. We're on most of them, iTunes, Spotify, Google, and you'll find dozens of our videos on our YouTube channel. But without further ado, Dr. Jamie Gibson, welcome to Tech on Demand. Thanks, Bill. It's really great to be here and wonderful to talk about uh, our Diplodenia. Excellent. Excellent. So why don't you go ahead and share your screen and uh, maybe start by talking about why you feel Diplodenia has become such a popular crop uh, and really for landscapers, for growers, for anybody uh, working with uh, plants, and that'll help set the stage for the discussion today. And I also know that Syngenta Flowers has been really active in this segment lately and has brought some true differentiation to the game. So feel free to talk about that as well. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, there's tremendous uh, growth potential with Diplodenia. It's growing at, at about a 6% rate per year. So there's still this huge demand. And we're really seeing a pull-through approach at the retail garden center, because I think the consumer is having just so much success with this plant. It has that tropical look, you know, in their pool areas or their patios, their front porches. Uh, they can use these as accent plants in these tropical containers uh, with, you know, dwarf bananas and ferns and some of our more tidy bedding plants that really don't overpower the diplodenia. So they make a real tremendous presence uh, with the consumer. And they're so tough, right? Uh, when you're looking at how to water these plants, you're not having to water these every day. Maybe every three days you're having to, to irrigate the plants. 
They don't really have a lot of pest challenge for consumers. And uh, they flower all the way through summer into even some light frosts we even see. So real, um, real powerful. And the growers are starting to continue to adopt uh, diplodenia just because of this massive retail sell-through, the outstanding shelf life that it has at the garden center. Uh, it maintains its tone, its flower presence. It's not having to be managed so heavily. And as we've learned more about diplodenia, we can build these programmable plans and we know kind of the specifics and the environmental conditions that required for production. And we also know how to mitigate challenges such as pest pressures. So a lot of learnings have helped give comfort to the grower. And then with Syngenta, you know, we've had this crop for quite a bit of time, a tremendous amount of breeding, like you said, a really amazing portfolio, a plant for every type of scenario. We've got more compact diplodenia, more vigorous uh, medinias, and then we also have kind of that middle of the road uh, bread and butter medinia. So uh, really strong breeding, but also working with our partner, our uh, supply chain partner, Vivero International on high quality cuttings to improve cutting quality, you know, working on nutrition and stock plant management, but also knowing the cold chain and improving uh, the way that these plants are being shipped to avoid any damage, but also to mitigate ethylene, you know, that death hormone that really causes stress to diplodenia. So we built all this information into, into the delivery of diplodenia, and it's really brought a lot of success to our industry. You really hit on a lot of points there, Jamie, with uh, the consumer demand being driven by the the benefits of the plant, the longevity, the you know disease and insect resistance. Obviously, that tropical look and in, in, in many flower colors is uh, is a critical piece of the puzzle. But then dialing it back to how you guys are delivering these plants to growers through that chain uh, with the highest likelihood of success. I think that. Um, there, there's a lot going on and it's, it's a nice package from top to bottom with the entire program. And I think that what, what you said really sets a, a fantastic foundation for the rest of the presentation, um, because we really want to get in the meat of, of how you select and produce this crop to the best of your ability. So I'm actually going to sit back and listen for a little bit and let you share some information about why growers need to start diplodenia with the end goal in mind we talk about that a lot but i think with this crop it, it's extremely critical because of the the multiple ways you can you can produce it um but you know knowing your cell dates can really help you determine the best approach because this crop does have a lot of auction options absolutely so cell dates and programming is so critical to really under, understand that and focus in on several factors. Several things impact the timing and the finish of this crop. It's the propagation approach. It's how you're aging this plant, what size container you're putting uh, this material in and how that will finish. And we know from retail statistics in the South, weeks 15 to 18, upwards to Mother's Day is that high traffic retail. This is that time when growers really want to maximize sales in the South. 
for the northern grower, you're looking more at that Mother's Day beyond Memorial Day as the window to maximize sales. So if you're trying to target this particular window, timing is so critical, knowing that propagation phase and finish time and what it requires to finish this plant is so critical. So we're really going to harp on that today. And you could also approach this as a season extender where you're really not pressured into delivering a specific retail time. So you're maybe looking at more late June sales, July sales, even we see August sales with Dipoladenia just because it can tolerate those high intense temperatures, humidity, and the retail stresses. So this is a long-term crop. This is longer than most crops, um, typically grown in the spring. And so there's a lot of ways to skin a catfish. Uh, that's what we say in Syngenta, plenty of ways to skin a catfish. So you can do it multiple approaches. You can have aged liners, you can do pre season propagation, or you can even bring in enhanced liners or pre-finished plants. Uh, so there's lots of ways that you can finish. And what I've done here on the right-hand side is shown you four different scenarios in how we program Diplodenia. Right now, right, weeks say 36, 37, 38, 39, a lot of growers are bringing Diplodenia in. They're taking advantage of these late summer temperatures, they're bulking, they're rooting, they're pinching, and then they may put this plant kind of in a dormancy period and then wake it up for production. There's also growers that bring in calloused diplodenia, callus cuttings in the dead of winter when these callus cuttings can really finish faster, finish the propagation phase faster, and they can uh, root out uh, during these lower light conditions and cooler temperatures. There's also the approach of just a standard unrooted cutting, and then you finish this really at sometime maybe after those big strong retail windows. Or you bring in pre-finished plants that are essentially built already. Uh, here's a picture right here of like a pre-finished plant where it might have a couple of flower buds, and then it's gonna take oftentimes maybe four to six weeks to finish. So lots of ways that you can do uh, diplodenia, and we're going to get into those specifics here shortly. And what you said about timing to hit those big, either the, the big market, the big windows, or to extend seasons all the way through August. That's, I wasn't aware that you could, you could sell diplodenia in August, but I think for people replacing and really trying to add, uh, some, some wow for those late summer parties, that's, uh, that that's really, really exciting. And and like Jamie said, there's a lot of options for when you as a grower can bring these products into your greenhouse, which is also uh, I, I know uh, is, is pretty exciting. You know what what you've just explained about all the importance of programming uh, definitely leads us to where where we're going to go next, um, because uh, the versatility really requires a lot of thought and, and forethought. So um, programming the crops certainly makes the, the, the finish seem like a critical piece of the puzzle. So why don't you, uh, get into the, get into the culture, which I know you really like to share. Um, it's something that, that I've always been impressed with how you can talk to growers and explain this. So I'm looking forward to, to hearing, and I know that Syngenta has done a lot of research on the new Diplodenia assortment and probably learned a ton, 
um, that, that you want to share to help help growers. So why don't you walk the listeners and viewers through proper environment, nutrition, crop management, pest and disease control as as applicable um, to really help uh, help the growers and the production teams with uh, the most success here. Sure thing. We'll walk through those key steps and also address some of the various profiles that we have. So remember, uh, the specific uh, series may be attached to a certain container size or finish time. In Syngenta flowers, we have three different profiles. We have the Medinia Petites. These were recently introduced. We have two reds and a pink. These were built more for pints or cords, uh, maybe an eight-inch hanging basket. They actually have about a a finish time about two weeks earlier than some of the uh, leading competition. Uh, they're really versatile and you can produce these in high density trays. A lot of the um, pre-finished plants grown in the South, maybe South Florida or Texas, California, they will adopt uh, petites more for that accent plant for the North. Medinias are kind of the bread and butter uh, there's the core colors, red, pinks, whites. There's various shades, uh, tones of red with nice, attractive yellow throats. These are built more for six inch gallon hanging baskets, such as 10 inch and 12 inch. And then we have the higher vigor medinias, which are more built for gallons and also large deck planters. So this may require some degree of trellising. When you look at propagation, we've got callus cuttings and unrooted cuttings. We're going to get into that here in, in the more propagation slides. And then when you're transplanting, you're looking at various approaches. You can use a standard liner. You can use an aged liner, which may be more than, say, 10 weeks, bulked, large uh, finished liner. And then you can also bring in these pre-finished plants. So let's talk about how we produce these. This is an example of a, a really high quality um, Medinia liner. This is in some stabilized media. This may be from, a, say, a 105 tray. It's built. It's got strong roots. It may take about five to six weeks to propagate. On the right-hand side, we've got some more enhanced liners. So these may have a little more spacing. They may be propagated a little bit longer than, say, five to six weeks to give a little more age to the cutting. When you're looking at propagation, upon receipt of these cuttings, you want to keep these cuttings in a warm stored area. We typically feel that at about 42 degrees or persistent 42 degree temperatures, you may get some damage. Upper growth may show some blackening. So cooling these in more of your warmer uh, coolers is best. So 50 degrees, 55 degrees. Uh, again, rooting time is anywhere, say, between five to six weeks in a 105. On the right-hand side, we have one of these 50 cell liners where it might have been pinched a couple of times, and this might be about 10 weeks of propagation. And you can improve the rooting process uh, not only by bringing in a callus cutting, which shaves off some time, but you can also use rooting hormones either as dips or foliar sprays. When you're rooting diplodenia, you want to keep it warm. You really want to focus more on that 74, 76 degree temperature uh, to, to achieve timely rooting. And then misting is another important component. If you're pulling these off mist too early and you might see some twisting or maybe some grayish dull cast to the cutting, that means that you pulled them off too early. So make sure you're giving it a full 
almost two weeks of, of good misting to allow turgidity of the cutting. Pinching, definitely recommended in propagation. A nice soft pinch typically after about four to five weeks in propagation helps with the branching. And then if you need to hold these plants, you can use uh, Domenizide B9 in rates anywhere between 2,500 to upwards to 5,000 if you need to contain it more. So here's uh, an image showing you the difference between an unrooted cutting and a callus cutting. Again, callus cuttings really are going to help, say, between the, the weeks of maybe 46, 48, all the way up to about week four to six in the dead of winter when things are really challenging. And here you can see the benefits, almost three weeks faster rooting than a standard unrooted cutting. So uh, you, you really generate those roots very quickly. Typically root initials come after a few days in propagation. And this is where you really wanna start feeding the cutting to, to, to mass it and bulk it. Speaking of bulking, again, we talked about plenty of ways to, to skin a catfish. This on the right-hand side is an enhanced liner, a jumbo plug. So some uh, growers will do this approach where they're rooting in say, a large cell, 72 upwards to say a 32 or even a 36 cell container might be using two cuttings, doing multiple pinches. And so now they've aged this beautiful liner and they can finish this crop a little faster. When you're looking at the finishing side of things, you know, our culture guides are very detailed. We have the timing, we have different production scenarios. Overall, you're looking at about 16 to 22 weeks to uh, finish a diplodenia, and that's from stick to finish. So again, these are long-term crops. They require fairly, you know, light to moderate fertility in the beginning, but they can really demand the nutrition. It helps improve the tone. It reduces leaf yellowing. So really these target uh, concentrations of nitrogen are recommended upwards to 200. Helps in the flowering process. We have the uh, media parameters here. It's a really versatile pH requiring plant, you know, anywhere from 5.6 to 6.2 EC moderate levels. We've got your values, whether, whether you use a commercial lab or you conduct the pour through test. And then I'm gonna really zero in on the next slide about the environmental parameters. Warm, long days, high quality light. And this is where, if there was one slide if there's one slide, this is the one. This tells a million words. You know, one picture tells a million words. Our diplodenia are facultative long day plants. And so the more photoperiod or duration of light that you provide it, the faster the flowering development. And so we have a formula. We have a rule of thumb in our production that within the last 10 weeks of finish time, you have to deliver this recipe in order to deliver the proper flowering. And so a warm average daily temperature of 70 to 72, 15 moles or greater of light and 14 hours of light or greater helps in the process. So really growers that are considering diplodenia, they have to evaluate and audit their infrastructure to make sure that they can deliver this especially in those last 10 weeks of finish. And this just reinforces our message. If you're providing short days, whether it's low light or high quality light, 
your flowering is going to be significantly less. And you can actually see the degree of vining that occurs in these short day periods. So not only are you going to have less flowers, you're going to have to manage these tendrils and doing more shearing. So good quality light is going to deliver your flowering and you're also going to see less tendriling in production. Uh, slide here just on pre-finished. A lot of amazing growers in Florida are delivering pre-finished diplodenia. There's actually a lot of northern growers that have the infrastructure now. Maybe they have LED lighting, the ability to warm maybe concrete floors where they can deliver high quality pre-finished diplodenia now to more regional and local customers. So we're seeing this as a new trend uh, in diplodenia. And then this offers those northern growers um, closer sources to the material versus shipping all the way up from southern locations. So yeah, these pre-finished diplodenia are really nice. They're bulk, they're big, they're branched, they've got buds on them. So this kind of gives the grower the ability to finish within about four to six weeks upon receipt. And they don't have to worry about all the propagation phase and building. Having said that, the environmental formula is still critical uh, for these growers that receive pre-finished plants. They have to deliver that formula of warm, long days, high quality light. Just a few notes on, on the uh, specifics of pinching. Pinching and propagation, pinching and production is also encouraged just to give it more breaks and give more body to the plant. Uh, we'll talk more detail about PGRs, but we really find B9 is a good uh, product for keeping the internodes down, maintaining tone. And then we really want to stress the importance of not too much water and not reducing the, the moisture stage down to state, say stage one. Uh, if you're keeping these plants at a very dry condition, you're introducing potential mite challenges, but you're also bringing in the potential for these plants to shed and drop foliage if you dry them down too hard. Extreme watering can sometimes lead to more foliar diseases, and we'll show you those uh, pictures here real shortly. And I did want to zero in on PGRs. Uh, there's four chemistries that we find are very beneficial to diplodenia. One being configure. This can be used in propagation and in production, ranges from 150 to 300 parts per million. And you can spray these just about four weeks into propagation and about four weeks in on finish. You really don't see the benefits in propagation immediately, but when you plant these up, you'll begin to see stronger breaks from the base of the plant. So this is where the benefits of spraying and prop help in the finish timing and the bulk and size of the container. So again, you can reapply this. You would typically apply these chemistries before you do a soft pinch or you're doing if, if you're doing that last shear in production. So this is going to help bulk and break the plant so that you're getting more mass. You use B9 early but you don't want to do B9 too late because we know that B9 can delay flower time. So you really want to reduce up to about six weeks before finish. You want to go to other chemistries. You can use Sumagic sprays at say five to seven parts per million, depending on your region. And then you can use bonsai drenches at the tail end to kind of hold the growth down. It's a real effective chemistry just for maintaining that size. So you're not getting too stretched 
leggy and viney, especially if you're growing these at high density. The pests are, are rather minimal. You know, we see aphids sometimes early, we sometimes see mites later, but if you're using systemic insecticides and miticides in your program, you really won't have these challenges. There are fungal diseases such as fusarium. Uh, that's primarily if you're keeping these too warm, too wet, uh, too tight. Uh, but for the most part, there's not a lot of challenges. So using kind of broad spectrum insecticides and fungicides, uh, you know, systemic insecticides really prevents a lot of these challenges with um, biological uh, insects and diseases. And then my final slide on production is if you really want to enhance the flowering and preserve post-harvest life, retail shelf life, using the Alesco product, a silver nitrate product, just before racking, you know, mandevilla, diplodenia are quite ethylene sensitive. And so applying this as a foliar spray, it's EPA approved. It's a very grower fr friendly product that you can apply. And this preserves the flower performance, not only after it's unloaded from the shipping truck, but also in the garden center for up to two to three weeks. So here you can see the power that it has on some of the common bedding plants, but diplodenia, absolutely, Alesco is a great product uh, for uh, this particular species. It's thank you so much for that concise breakdown. I think for the for the growers listening, you really do want to have a template or a strict protocol for diplodenia. And Jamie gave you a great rundown. That final 10 week recipe is something that you definitely want to have on hand and follow very closely. You mentioned pre-finish. I do think that that is really a good option for for growers who want to who want to finish these you know, four to six weeks, like you said, pre-finished is always a, a great option if, if that's the route that, that you may need to go because of your facilities. Um, pinching on time, always uh, important to remind. Uh, the PGR recipes are great because there's a bunch of options, like you said. Um, you know, like any crop, you got to scout. Pest and disease will be minimal if you're really staying on top of, uh, top of, the, top of those applications. Um, but then finally, yeah, to enhance the flower and, you know, to, to add that retail shelf life and holdability, Alesco sounds like, sounds like the, the uh, ultimate option out there. Um, it's been great. Do you, is there any key points you want to reiterate or any, anything that, that we missed? I mean, you, you were, you were pretty thorough, um, but now's the time before we wrap up to share any, anything you want to reiterate, anything that growers need to watch out for. And then also, if you could let let the uh, the listeners and viewers know um, where they can find more resources, you mentioned uh, all the great cultural information that that Syngenta provides. Um, that's something that I can certainly link to in the show notes. Sure thing. Yeah, I had a, a professor at WVU, and when he accelerated his voice, uh, increased his his volume, that was when you knew that answer or that uh, particular topic was going to be on the quiz or test. So this slide really is that, uh, that example. Um, yeah, these are those key points. The, these are the ones so critical in the production of diplodenia. Of course, the infrastructure challenges that, that folks have, uh, this is where you really need to do a gut check. So I agree, 
uh, you know, for the first time doing this, it might be good to bring in those pre-finished plants just to gain some experience and see how that specific greenhouse handles uh, the diplodenia production. So timing, again, so critical. You can use an enhanced liner in some cases to overcome some of those environmental challenges. So we do know that aging that young plant does help, but you still want to deliver that rule of thumb, minimum of, of 10 weeks of warm, long days, high quality light. So go back to that formula and make sure that, that that's in place. And then those two combinations of the series that you're going to grow and the container size. So of course, we would never want to position maximos in pints. We would want to avoid putting petites in, say, large 12-inch hanging baskets. You know, these are more for accent plants, one plant, two plants in combination. So really using the right series for the right container is so critical. And then environmental parameters, just going to restress it again, because I would say 90% of the challenges and emails that I get or phone calls that I get involve the infrastructure. And I always ask, well, did you deliver that moles of light? How was your average temperature? And so, you know, dormancy, Again, keeping it around 45 degrees, you know, you really are going to see some degree of growth, some degree of tendriling. And that's why those soft pinches and trims just before delivering the, that right uh, formula for production is, is critical. So keep that in mind. Uh, yeah, I would say these are, are the most uh, stressed uh, when you're looking at production of this crop. And then you were asking about resources. So yeah, we've got a really nice encyclopedia of Diplodenia resources. Um, on the Syngenta Flowers webpage, syngentaflowers-us.com, we have a landing page for our Medinias. And this is going to contain links to the culture guides for the three different series. It's going to have cell sheets. The cell sheets actually provide a little more detail on the series and which specific container sizes we recommend and timing. The availability is on the website. And then we have links to some more production resources. So our success guide, kind of a one-stop shop for all of our crops. But we also have some narrated webinars and we also have some videos. So we produce these little, you know, a little bit above two minutes quick videos and propagation, production, and then combos, you know, using diplodenia and combos, such as the one here on the left-hand side for, um, for um, you know, producing these beautiful, durable, attractive plants. And then just a final note, um, we are available uh, for support. Uh, our technical team is well-versed in diplodenia. You know, every particular greenhouse, retail, arena is is different and you know there might be a different cell time or a target container size we can work with the customer to build these uh, specific regimented plans and propagation and production in order to target that finish time uh, using those key principles that we've learned so come a long way in a short amount of time and we've got some excellent genetics and we really look forward to uh, this this upcoming season. We, we see Diplodenia continuing to rise in popularity and uh, the consumers are really, it's resonating with uh, with the homeowner. So we, we see Diplodenia on an upswing. It's not slowing down. 
the Syngenta Flowers team has all the resources and people you need to achieve success. Uh, this definitely sounds like a, a crop to add uh, to your production mix. Um, and it sounds like something that just about any grower can, can figure out a way to, to make it work and uh, then deliver really, truly amazing tropical plants to retail where consumers are going to eat them up. Um, I will put links to the landing page and all the resources in the show notes. Uh, and I definitely encourage viewers and listeners to go check them out. Um, these are your recipes for success. Jamie, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you and really your, your entire team at Syngenta. You guys deliver fantastic technical resources and you're always willing to work with, with the Tech On Demand group uh, when, when we run into to challenges or questions from growers. Um, you're always there for us and it's something uh, we truly appreciate. Thanks, Jamie. It's our pleasure. Thank you. And a quick reminder before we wrap up, you can find dozens, if not hundreds, of Tech On Demand uh, educational resources online. Every week, I send a newsletter covering a range of cultural and technical topics. We've created videos, podcasts, all sorts of content. And if you want to connect with a gigantic group of peers, more than 5,000 of them around the globe, I suggest you join the Greenhouse Tech Team Facebook group. Just join, Just search Greenhouse Tech Team in groups on Facebook. Got to answer a couple questions to show me that you're a grower and not a hobbyist, and I'll let you right in. So I am Bill Calkins with Tech on Demand, and on behalf of our entire team and the team and our friends at Syngenta Flowers, thanks for listening and watching, and take care out there. Thank you.